What happened with the Hawks this season? Part two. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC. And if you guys remember from last week, we are doing a two-part show, basically, wrapping up the season, um, how it came to a close, how it started out, too. Uh, Part one was a little bit more big picture, and part two is going to be more specific player stuff. Um, so it's kind of going to be a little different than part one. Um, but I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. We're going to talk about Trey, um, what went right and wrong, because there was definitely some of both. And we'll get into pretty much, uh, the, the main guys on the roster. I'm not sure if we'll have time for every single player. Um, but once again, I was not specifically at exit interviews. I wish I had been able to be there to ask these guys, um, to ask these guys more things. Um, but our intern John was there and he did a great job. And so did, you know, everyone else in media that was there. Um, so let's get started. The Hawks report is brought to you by Emory healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. A quick reminder that if you're listening to us for the first time, please follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode, even in the off season. Okay, so let's talk. Let's just dive right in to Trey Young. Because obviously he is the face of the franchise, had probably the best regular season of his career, despite um, the Hawks. I mean, 43 and 39, you know, that's that's a little bit worse than 41 and 31, where they finished um, season before last. But for Trey, this was, you know, probably the best season of his career. Um, He averaged 28.4 points per game, 9.7 assists. Um, He actually had a career year from three, 38.2%. So definitely a really, really good year for Trey Young. He played and started 76 games. He's a very durable player, does not like to miss games at all. Um, That is a really big thing for Trey. So he's definitely very dedicated to always being out there. Um, But one thing that happened with Trey was obviously that series against Miami. Um, recency bias is going to make that, you know, one of the kind of the biggest parts of his season. And obviously it's the playoff. So it is one of the biggest parts um, on its face. And Trey definitely struggled in that series against Miami. Um, the Hawks needed a lot more from him. However, they needed a lot more from everybody. And the way that Miami was playing Trey specifically, and I guess everybody alongside, you know, around him, but obviously Trey is your playmaker. Trey is your floor general. He's the guy who the offense runs through. So if Trey is struggling, then 
the offense almost always is going to struggle, especially when Miami was so smothering to Trey. He could barely even really get off the ball. Um, the Hawks didn't really have the ball movement or even, you know, off the ball movement for him to even really move the ball the way he really normally likes to. Um, and Miami was just smothering. They were smothering to, to other guys, but Trey in particular, because he's the one who really makes the Hawks offense go. Um, I think the bench at some point had some some good moments against Miami. Um, starters definitely struggled. And, and you know, one of those guys was Trey. Um, he finished that five-game series against Miami shooting about 31% from the floor, 18% from three, averaging about six assists to 6.2 turnovers. Obviously, that's much different than his regular season numbers that I just read. Um, uh, 15.4 points per game. Um, some of that ended up coming you know, from the line. Um, he averaged 6.6 free throw attempts per game. Um, so the numbers would have even, you know, been worse without without getting to the line here and there. Um, obviously, the Hawks entered into this season. Trey, it, it, it is certainly of note that Trey Young had a fabulous postseason last year or sorry, series year before last. I'm I do not know what year it is still apparently now I'm in offseason mode too so I so now I really don't know what day or year it is um he had an amazing playoff run last year which is part of the reason why the Hawks had such success in the playoffs last year and that put a lot of expectations on Trey and the Hawks um and you know up against Miami again you're up against the one seed you're the eight seed the eight seed is kind of expected to lose to the one C, but I don't know if anyone, including myself, expected the way they lost to Miami with Trey Young so unable to get going. And it's not all on him because, you know, how the how all of the roster is built is part of it. The Hawks really outside of maybe the fourth quarter in game three, which was the Hawks one win in this series, when Bogey started getting going a bit, um, DeLon Wright was doing a great job as well. Then you had Trey score 10 points in the final four minutes because shots were falling for other guys. And so then that took some of the heat off Trey. So that, you know, that was a very rare occurrence in this series. Um, other than maybe DeAndre Hunter getting going in mostly the second half of game five, which we'll talk more about that later. So and even then, you know, Trey Young really could not get going in in game five. Um, but I think I think the the way that Trey had success last year in the playoffs, the way the Hawks as a whole had success, you know, in the playoffs last year, really raised the expectations on the Hawks. So the loss to Miami is going to feel even more deflating, um, kind of relative to expectations. But Trey, one thing that stood out to me in exit interviews is he did talk about how he loves those expectations. For me, I think one thing I can take away from this year is just understanding that expectations of, of me and this team are higher. It's, uh, to be honest, I love it. It's a, it's a joy and it's a challenge. Trey had also mentioned that he had already watched the film from Game 5, so I don't know if he like watched it on the plane coming home from Miami or, or what, or if he like got up early that morning. Because, uh, again, when these guys spoke, it was it was very... 
it was early or I guess they went from about 9 a.m. to maybe like 2 p.m. or whatever. Um, so, so at some point during that period, he had found a way um, after game five ended in Miami to, to getting back to Atlanta. He had found a way to already watch the game film. And I think that's encouraging to hear from Trey because I think that Trey Young is obviously 23 years old, the face of the franchise. He has shown last year in the playoffs, it's not, you know, the pressure of the moment that he shies away from. It's not, it's not that, you know, I don't think it's anything as far as, you know, oh, can he have success in the playoffs? He's already shown that he can. I think a lot of it is the Heat specifically were a bad matchup for the Hawks in several ways. They're a very physical team, very physical defense. And obviously, Eric Spolstra is a great coach. They had, they're kind of, when you look at it, they're kind of just perfectly, um, they're perfectly kind of designed to to give the Hawks tons of trouble, and they ended up doing that. But here, here's Trey talking about what he needs to do to improve next season. Man, I've been thinking about it. Last year, obviously, I wanted to work on my mid-range. I want to continue to work on everything, including that. Um, but this summer, more probably working off pin downs, working off screens, coming off uh, catching more catch-and-shoot things. and, and uh, But still, like... Everything else, trying to take that to another level too. So um, I think working more off the ball, seeing the series and how it played. I think um, me being able to come off screens and double screens and just catch and shoot opportunities, things like that. I think could have could have helped, and um, and that's something I definitely want to go into the offseason working on. I thought Trey showed some growth. You know what he had to face uh, throughout the year—a different defense than he faced last season. Uh, this year he saw more uh, traps and boxing one uh, coverages uh, that I think he's seen in his short career. Uh, you know, teams just really trying to take him out and having the ability to continue to stay aggressive, score points, create opportunities for his teammates, uh, and really help us get into the playoffs with the coverages that they were showing him. So that's Nate McMillan um, also talking about, uh, you know, Trey's growth and improvement he wants to see. Um, I thought it was um, noteworthy that Trey mentioned working on catch and shoot um, because he's good at that. He, he is good at that. You just don't get to see much of it because he's always got the ball in his hands. So he's not going to like, you know, pass it to himself and shoot it. Like you have to, you, ca- you kind of have to have someone you can pair with him who can be strong on the ball, have that vision, be that kind of secondary creator and also shooter when Trey Young is getting so much heat. I think one question that came out of, you know, this series is do you have a guy who can be that sort of almost like second star and when teams are defending Trey the way that they are, can you make them pay for that? Can you really really stick it to them by another guy going off. And I think that, I mean, I think that's a question, you know, the Hawks will have to answer. Um, They were certainly at a disadvantage, though, with one, you know, kind of your lob threat, Clint Capella, uh, your go-to lob threat, Clint Capella being hurt for that series. John Collins. I do want to say about John, like I remember sitting down right next to him in 
um, in Miami uh, for, was it game four? Going into game four? And his finger, where he had that, you know, ring finger sprain, and obviously he had a plantar fascia tear, um, right foot strain as well. So he was kind of, he had two injuries, not just one. His fingers still looked pretty gross (laughs) and pretty swollen. Um, So you had two of your like front court guys, and obviously John's a big, you know, roller, finisher, rebounder as well. So I think Trey, you know, struggling in that series against Miami is going to get a lot of attention, and it should, because it's fair, you know, it's fair to criticize a guy when he doesn't play well. It's also fair to say this was probably the best regular season, you know, Trey Young has had. Both of those things are, I think, true. In addition, though, I think it's also through the lens of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the guys Trey sort of pairs with um, were not 100%. And that's just a tough break. I mean, it's a tough, it's a really tough break that kind of goes back to what we talked about in part one. Um, Those guys got less time to heal. Also, Clint Capella got straight up hurt against Cleveland, which was their second play-in game they had to win. So if you could have avoided the play-in, um, who knows what you could have avoided injury-wise, but that's that's the position they put themselves in. So that's Trey right there. I think that Trey struggling rightfully got a lot of attention, but I think it, I don't think being a young star like that, I don't think that it's the worst thing to go through some adversity and retool some things and then come back and learn from it. Again, he's only 23. I know that might not not might not be the most satisfying thing um, because, you know, people are disappointed they lost, and I think that's totally fair. But just moving forward, that's kind of my, my take on it. Um, one of the biggest keys, though, for the Hawks struggling late in the season and against the Heat was what I just mentioned about, you know, Clint Capella and John Collins' injuries. And here's Clint on that. Yeah, it was hurting, felt limited. Uh, I know that, uh, yeah, I just couldn't really be myself. So uh, I, I, didn't, I was fortunate enough that it, again, get, it didn't get worse. Uh, so I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to be out there and, and, and hurt myself again. Yeah, I put the I put the cast on um, the other day just to try to switch it up. Um, you know, the cast splint wraps. I got a lot of stuff for this guy. Uh, Trying to keep him straight, you know, it's hard to keep a straight finger and play basketball. Uh, so, you know, that's that's been tough. But you know, we, like I said, I think I'm a, I'm a tough guy, so I'm trying to just play through it. So John had straight up like a hard cast on his finger, yet was playing in the playoffs. I do think that's noteworthy. Um, a lot of people pointed out. I was seeing a lot of people point out that John was struggling out there. And he was, but gosh, I mean, he, I mean, you, you could even see him like when he would um, like try to finish at the rim, uh, you know, like a off a lob or just, you know, like if he were to dunk and then he would come away shaking out his finger. Um, I don't know why I just made the motion of shaking out his finger because like y'all can't see me. But anyway, he was doing the thing where you, uh, you know, when you kind of like bang or you know, like twist your, your finger wrong or you get it stuck in something and you're you're kind of shaking it out um, clearly in pain. So that's another tough break for the Hawks. Um, and again, I you know, you get you have bad luck with injuries and, and their schedule did not make it any easier. Um, one other front court guy is Anyeka Kongwu, who I think had some good moments in this series and then some kind of, you know, young guy figuring it out 
moments. Um, he was a big reason why they were able to win game three. So you got to give props there. I think with Onyeka Kongwu, a big thing for him to focus on is defensive rebounding. And Travis Schlank is going to talk about that in just one second. Um, but if you remember back when the Hawks drafted Onyeka Kongwu, Travis talked about how they believe Onyeka at some point is going to be able to develop into more of a shooter and being able to kind of stretch that shot out from the restricted area right at the rim. Y'all, I don't know what is wrong with me, but I keep making motions with my hands like you guys can see me. Like I just made like a stretching motion with my hands. Anyway, picture the rim and then go back out, go back out a ways. They want him to be able to, uh, from the time he was drafted, they kind of want him to be able to stretch that shot out a little bit. Um, and here was Onyeka Kongwu talking about kind of his big plans for the offseason. For me, I feel like, you know, this year I was just more confident in the things I did, um, both on both ends of the court, defensively, offensively, you know, better free throws, better around the rim, and, you know, moving on. You know, next time y'all see me, I will have a jump shot. <laughs> I will have a jump shot. Um, <laughs> um, that's for the next year. But overall, no, I think it's a, this was a successful season for me. And, you know, you saw the progress from my first year to this year. I'm trying to make another leap next year. Well, what, what I told him today, to me, the, really the, the one thing he has to get better at is defensive rebounding. He's got to become a more dominant defensive rebounder. And I told him, if you do that, you know, you have the potential to be an all-defensive uh, performer in this league with his ability to block shots, with his ability to switch on pick and rolls, with his ability to guard on the perimeter. So once he improves that area, um, and it's something he can do, right? He's a great offensive rebounder, so we know he can go get it. Uh, um, it's just actually doing that. So that that's a real big focus for him. And then on the other end of the floor, I, I do think that he's going to have the ability to make mid-range jump shots, you know, and hopefully over time you can stretch it out to the corner threes. Um, and that's one of the things he wants to work on this year, this summer as well. So Onyeka already has a very pretty hook shot. Um, I don't know if that's like the perfect way to describe it is pretty, but it is a very graceful sort of hook shot. And he kind of has that, you know, soft touch around the rim, you know, good finishing around the rim. So I think that is... I think it'll be really interesting to see sort of the the trajectory of how he can stretch out that shot. Um, I think Travis definitely has it pegged, you know, exactly right, that rebounding is one of the big things Anyeka has to progress in. I think that was one of the big reasons for um, – that, that was one of the big things that Clint Capella gave them that Anyeka did not for the most part this season – um, so I do think that's something for him to work on moving forward. Um, let's move on to Danilo Gallinari, Gallo. And first, let's talk about just what or let's hear from him on just what the team learned this year. And I actually thought this was a really um, insightful quote from Gallo. The group is capable of doing well. Uh, we proved it. Uh, but when, when you do it once, you got to do it again. You have expectations and you cannot relax, you cannot expect to just win games just because last year you did an amazing season. Uh, every year you got team, new teams, uh, players you know, coming at you, and, uh, and especially knowing what you did last year, they have, they have maybe an extra motivation to play against you. Um, 
And I think that sometimes during the season, we were not ready for that. So, I mean, that's another guy who, if y'all remember back to part one, uh, we talked about this at length, but that's another guy who's talking about essentially complacency and that the hardest part is replicating success. You know, doing it once is, is amazing and we can definitely give credit where credit is due, but the hardest part is actually replicating it. So I thought that was a very kind of veteran, veteran move, veteran quote from Gallo um, talking about, you know, having to do that year after year, which is obviously difficult to do. But, you know, if you want to be a winning team, that's something you, you have to be able to sustain. Um, I think Gallo is going to be an interesting one to monitor this offseason just because his, his contract for next season is only partially guaranteed. Um, obviously, a guy who's get, getting a little older, um, uh, a, a liability on, on defense. Um, so that's definitely one to watch this offseason. So anyway, I just think that's something to, to keep an eye on with Gallo. Um, when we come back, we'll talk more about some of the wing guys. Uh, we'll talk Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter, because I kind of have some similar thoughts on those two guys. Um, and we'll do that after this break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com because it really is what makes all this possible. And if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. Okay, so let's move into some of the wing guys um, and... I want to talk about Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter back to back. Um, I kind of have some, obviously they're, they're individual guys and we'll talk about them individually, but one of the sort of similar thoughts I had about those two guys is I think they sort of unfortunately maybe regressed a bit. I think DeAndre Hunter regressed in terms of his ball handling. And he actually mentioned that, that he uh, doesn't feel I don't think he he basically said he's not really great at anything yet. And he did sort of acknowledge, you know, handling the ball and that sort of thing. Um, and that kind of goes back to even what I was saying with Trey. Like, I think the Hawks needed more of more guys who can get to their own shot and create their own shot. So that way, if Trey's not able to set you up, that's OK. Um, you know, not able to set you up all the time. And um, I think that DeAndre Hunter, you saw some of that, you know, I mean, especially, gosh, in game five, like he just could not miss a jump shot, basically. It wasn't enough to come all the way back for the win. Um, but you definitely saw that. I, I think specifically, though, just with ball handling, um, I had really high expectations for DeAndre Hunter coming into this season because of how because of the flashes he showed with handling the ball Um last season and the growth he showed there before he got hurt with Kevin Herter Kevin Herter had just exploded defensively 
last season. And that's exactly what the Hawks needed from him. They really, really needed some defensive-minded wings. And Kevin Herter took a huge, huge step forward there um, last season. This season, I'm not going to say it was it was bad, but I think the Hawks just needed more from him. Um, but here's how Kevin Herter would grade his season. Definitely like a lot of ups and downs again. Um, I think less peaks and valleys, but still still some peaks and valleys. And um, yeah, for me, it's kind of much the same. You know, going into next year, still working on my game inside the three-point line. Um, you know, my, a goal of mine has been to shoot 40% from three and came close to that. got hot at the end of the year, almost almost got that benchmark. So that'll be another goal of mine going into next year. And uh, But a lot for me is it, it's our team success. It's It was, uh, you think about the year we had two years ago and what we were able to do. It's you know, now how, how can we get back to that and how can we have that feeling again and that juice and um, compete at a high level and beat the best teams. And yeah, the East got a lot better this year. And you know, I think as a team, we got to get a lot better too. So I think the Hawks have always needed a little bit more aggression from Kevin Herter, who sometimes you see flashes of that and it's like, whoa, Kevin has that in him. And he does. But he averaged 0.7 free throw attempts this year. And obviously a big way you draw free throws, not the only way, but a big or a big way you you draw, you know, fouls and, and get to the line is is playing more aggressive and, um, you know, finishing through contact, that kind of thing. Um, so as, as far as his game inside the, the three-point line, I think that's some of what he's talking about there. Um, with DeAndre Hunter, before I talk about anything else, I want to mention that he was playing with an injury at the end there. Yeah, my back was actually hurting me for a while. Uh, I, was, I was playing through it, but uh, my knee and my wrist... Uh, it's it's fine. They're they're normal. But yeah, my back was it was tough. But I was you know just trying to play. And I mean that's one of those things. Like most guys are going to be pretty. They're going to have some kind of be banged up in a couple ways. You know, if not just one. Um, but I did think that was that was noteworthy. There, um, you saw some great flashes from DeAndre Hunter, and obviously, DeAndre Hunter was one of the guys who. You know, Trey Young is is going to be a weakness defensively. And Cam Reddish was going to be one of those, you know, long defensive-minded wings to to cover for Trey on that end. He had asked for a trade, ended up getting traded in January. DeAndre Hunter, you know, was going to be one of those, you know, defensive, um, you know, wing, you know, forward guys to, to help cover for Trey a little bit. Um, at times you saw that, but I do think sometimes um, I think the defense was up and down. I think DeAndre Hunter has a ton of promise still, and I do think some of that you saw in Game 5 when he was leading the charge in that comeback attempt. So, and here is what DeAndre Hunter said about kind of that quote I mentioned earlier about how he's not, he doesn't feel like he's great at anything yet, um, and here's what he wants to improve on, and he does he does touch on handling the ball in this one. Only being in my third year, I think i got to improve on everything. Um, I'm not great at anything yet. Uh, definitely my ball handling shot making, uh, just being able to, just ball control in general. I feel like that's what I need to, you know, get better at to expand my game, and I will. We're going to move on to some guards now. If y'all, well, guards, wings, whatever. Um, They all move, they all, there was a lot of shifting around this season anyway, because the Hawks had, were, were shorthanded in that, um, in that month where a lot of guys were out with COVID. Um, So we talked a lot about Trey in the first segment 
Um, and obviously, you know, face of the franchise, like we spent a lot of time on Trey. I think a guy who deserves a lot of um, recognition, honestly, is DeLon Wright, who, again, you know, free agent. We'll see what the Hawks do there and we'll see how they retool the roster overall. But I, I definitely thought this season with the way the Hawks were designed, you know, a lot of offensive minded guys, pretty much a top two offensive rating all season long, pretty much a bottom five, if not worse, defensive rating um, all season long. One of the guys, though, who got more and more playing time sort of post-All-Star break was backup guard DeLon Wright, who is that, to use Nate McMillan's favorite word, solid. He was that solid guy who did not really turn the ball over, who played defense, who made some scrappy plays, you know, stealing stealing the ball, you know, when the other team's trying to inbound, just making smart little heads-up plays. And I think that's so big for this Hawks team. He made a huge impact in the playoffs. But what's kind of crazy to think about is, and we've talked about this before, so I won't do it to death, but DeLon Wright was declared, you know, out of the rotation by Nate McMillan. That did not last very long. And Nate did mention, you know, he doesn't, this is not based on, you know, X, Y, Z, thing this is not based on you know he deserves playing time it's just you have to shorten the rotation but that would not have been the guy I would have taken out of the rotation because I think he he is who the Hawks need and obviously ended up needing you know in in hindsight too if you think about if they didn't have DeLon Wright um Lou Williams was hurt for a while to end the season so um I think DeLon would have played over him anyway but DeLon did get more and more playing time as the season wore on um and here was him talking about carving out a role yeah I feel like uh that's why I was so frustrated uh, in the beginning of the year um I feel like I I, I could have run more to the, to the team but um obviously we had you know a, a log jam at uh, the wing position and obviously behind Trey so um they told me all oh, you're just you know wait your you know be patient and um I just tried to do my best to be professional and um towards the end of the year I was able to carve out a role um that I you know was able to be impactful at so no, I was, it was a sigh of relief. So again, we'll see what the Hawks do regarding DeLon. Um, I think he would be a, a good addition for them. I guess not addition. He's already there. But I, I think he would be a good player to bring back and get more of that solid play. Um, he actually had a, a decent series against Miami. So I think that's uh, something right there. Um, moving forward, let's talk about Bogey a little bit, who obviously kind of falls into like the wing guard category. The, a lot of these guys, their positions are sort of, you know, fungible and they switch all over the place. Um, but he talked about how he feels, and I'll give my thoughts afterward, but he talked about how he feels confident about what he's going to do next year. For next year, I'm, I'm really trying to come, you know, as healthy as I can and I'm really trying to put the work in, in, in body and knee and specific things and um, I feel like I'm going to have the best season of my life next year really so pretty blunt there from from bogey so maybe putting a little not pressure but spotlight on his season next year because it's gonna be the best season of his life he feels um, bogey is another guy who last year or season before last, when the Hawks got really hot, played out of his mind. 
he shot 43.8% from three last season, which is just nuts. It's nuts. It's not necessarily, you don't necessarily, you really can't expect a guy to repeat that too often because that is such an insane such an insane, you know, clip and just production. Um, he is one of those guys who got so hot for them. This year he shot 36.8% from three, um, had some injuries here and there, was also one of those guys who was banged up to start the season. Average 15.1 points per game. Um, I think Bogey is another guy who the Hawks sort of needed more from. They needed a little bit more from him, you know, defensively and then in that series against Miami what you saw what happened when Bogey started hitting shots and got hot in the fourth quarter of game three the the game the Hawks ended up winning um but you know another guy who could not get going enough in that series to end up making a difference so that's kind of the the guards and wings and I guess really the whole main roster there I think this Hawks season was definitely shaped by the Hawks needing I think it ended up being shaped by just how the roster is built and probably needing more defense moving forward needing maybe someone alongside Trey who can you know allow him to play off the ball more when teams start playing like Miami was um And, you know, a few guys who they just needed a little bit more from in different ways, you know, whether it was more, you know, defense from guys like Kevin, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Bogey, like whatever it may be. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of guys have touched on the mental side of it, too. And Bogey was another guy who was super honest um, throughout the season and when the Hawks would struggle that, you know, we... We can't think that just because we won last year, we're going to win this year. So I definitely appreciate Bogey's candor um, throughout the whole season, really. Um, so I found a way to talk. I found a way to go to go long on pretty much every episode this season since we started this. And I'm keeping the tradition alive. But let's look at Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, Hawks rookies, and let's get their final thoughts on the season. Real quick, first up is Jalen Johnson. I love it. You know, it was a, it was a great season, like, you know, but uh, and just enjoy the ups and downs of it, you know, just embrace my journey, my story, my process, and it was just fun overall, like getting the experience what the NBA lifestyle is like. Uh, it's everything that you expect it to be, so it was fun, and uh, I'm glad that, you know, not many people make it through the first year, like just mentally okay, but, you know, everything is good on this end. Yeah, that was probably the hardest thing, um, just the amount, of the, the amount of games, you know, going back and forth from the G League here. Um, it was a different experience, um, something I, I feel like I learned a lot from, though. Um, uh, I feel like I could, you know, have a, a different outlook on the, the year next year. So that was Sharif Cooper, and let's get Nate McMillan's thoughts on both of those guys. Jalen, this season, spent a lot of time in the G League, and, you know, I, th- I thought it was really good because he wanted to go there. Uh, there wasn't minutes for him with, with us, with, uh, you know, JC playing the four and Gallo playing the backup four and DeAndre you know, playing some four uh, for us really wasn't any minutes, but for a young guy to want to go and play no matter where, 
uh, to get better, I thought was really impressive, which I told him that today. I thought it helped him. And, um, you know, we're really looking forward to him playing in the summer league, getting better, and, uh, you know, earning a right to be in that rotation next season. Uh, Sharif, the same thing. So that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Um, That is part two of our sort of season wrap-up summary of exit interviews. We couldn't get every single thing in there because then we'd have you guys here for like this podcast would basically be your entire day. Um, So we had to summarize a little bit. Um, But yeah, that is part two of exit interviews. So that wraps up today's show. Um, Please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. And check back with us for more content this offseason. And thank you so much for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com.